guys, and welcome back to another episode of That's My Personal Business. We have the most incredible guest on today, Jai Long. He is an educator, a serial entrepreneur. He does a lot of things. I'm, I don't really even know how to sum it up for you guys, but this is potentially my favorite interview we have ever had on the podcast, which that feels like picking a favorite child. So I will say one of my favorite interviews, but it is so incredible. Like even as we ended the call, I was so excited to listen back to it myself. So I don't want to blab on. I want you to dive right back into it because this is a longer episode, but I'm so excited to have him on the podcast. So excited for everything that you guys are going to learn. There are so many incredible stories and nuggets of wisdom in this episode. So let's get right to it. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on. I would love for us to just get like an introduction on you for those of those listening that don't know who you are. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name is Jai Long. I'm a business coach. I'm a wedding photographer. I have a clothing brand. I do property development. I do a lot of different things. Um, based here in Melbourne, I think I already said that. I love my little part of the world and I like to travel around as well. So I've done a lot of destination weddings over the last eight or nine years and I have done. Yeah, it's pretty hard to do an elevator pitch. I've got a podcast. Yeah, to make a break and, <laughs> you've got a lot. Um, yeah, there's just so many things going on. So it's hard to sort of wrap it up until someone prompts me and reminds me of what I do. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I would love to talk about today because that was, I found you through Summit, which is your wedding yep. photography. Yes, I do have that as well. <laughs> world. Yeah, I'm like, there's a lot of things. So that's how I found you because I used to be in the mm. wedding world as well. Um, and so it was really fun to like read up on you and learn more about you and listen to your podcast and be like, oh my gosh, he does so many things like so you have so many things going on so tell us a little bit about like where did we start like what's the origin of all the things you're doing right now cool so my origin really um it's hard like to sort of work at a point in time of when to make it when when to sort of start but I'll start with my first business because it's one of the most um for me pivotal points in my life Mm -hmm. and my first business was when I was 20 years old I started a cafe and I started it with my, um, my now wife and oh, it was a really fun adventure, but I did it because, uh, at the time my dad was in rehab, so he had a lot of drug problems and stuff. So, um, I wanted, I went to, to visit him one day and, uh, I remember when I visited him, I was like, I just need to get him a job because if I got him a job that would be able to change his life, you know, uh, give him some responsibility and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. I came home and I started cold calling and I was looking around to try and get him a job and no one would take him. And for good reason, like he, uh, he was a drug addict and he was in currently in rehab. Um, so there was a lot of reasons not to hire him, but then I started thinking like, why won't someone hire him and who makes the rules on who is, um, who is hireable. And I realized like the, the rule makers are the business owners. So for me to change, you know, something for him, I needed to be a business owner. So I had the control of who gets hired and who doesn't. So that was my thought process. I was like, if I start a business, I'll be able to hire him because he's a great, uh, he's a great cook. And then that would give him some responsibility and stuff. And then from there, like business can't be that hard. Right. And so I was very naive going into it, obviously. And um, so I started this business and One of the things is like, as you know, is like when you start a business, you have to have a strong why. So I had a really strong Mm -hmm. why and I was really ambitious to go after it. Unfortunately, my dad actually passed away about two weeks before we opened the doors. So my strong why just disappeared, you know, just instantly. So for the next 12 months, I was running this big business. There was was probably about like, you could sit 300 people and I had staff everywhere and had no idea how to run business. And we slowly, slowly was just losing everything until one day my partner was just like, you know, Jai, like we have to give up because it's, we've just enough is enough sort of thing. And that was really hard for me to process, um, failing and like closing the door for the last time. And and I do remember like we closed the door and at the time we're living in the cafe and someone gave us this van. So we closed the door and then I, um, drove off to the beach and we slept in the car that night. And I remember waking up and just looking out into the horizon and watching the sun rise over the water. And like this big weight is lifted off my shoulders. I no longer have responsibility of this failing business and, and all that. And I felt like I was reborn and I was like, man, if this is as low as it gets, like, this is not that bad. And for me, it was like, it sparked this new, 
this new me almost it was like I was being reborn and it's like all the things that you fear is no longer there and even though I had to go bankrupt and everything I was ready to go on to the next thing and so since then I've been starting businesses and, and I've failed a lot and I've succeeded a lot and I've done everything in between and um, for me it's it's a, not about having a career or it's not about following one path it, it's about like having fun and, and being playful in life and um, and doing what best works for you and at that time and for your mental health and, and physical health and all that kind of stuff. So that's the path I'm on right now. Oh my gosh. Okay. Of incredibly powerful origin story. So thank you for sharing that with us. And I'm so sorry for your <laughs> loss as well. I'm like, that is a, that's a very pivotal time. Um, that story is really, really powerful. So how did you where did things go from there? Because that story is like, like you said, you were like, this is maybe as low as it gets. And now I know you as, you know, what I see online now is this incredibly successful person with so many different businesses. So what was kind of the in-between there? Like, what was your next step after that hadn't really quote unquote worked out? I mean, it maybe the, you know, yeah. business did work out in the end. Cause here you are now, maybe just in a different way, but what was kind of that process totally. like? Well, for me, um, I one of the first things I had to do is get all my money back. So I actually went and uh, I was a I was a qualified electrician. So I actually signed up to work in some uh, coal mines in the middle of Australia where you'd get paid a lot of money. So I actually went out and I started working in these coal mines and these um, indigenous communities as well. And just getting paid a lot of money, but flying in and flying out. So I was away a lot. So I did that for a couple of years to really sort of build up all the money that I lost so I could so I could go again. And then I did start my own electrical company after that. But when I was out in the mines, I started taking photos of things to sort of just help me out. And um, later on, after I started my own company as an electrician and then, you know, getting some success with that and sort of working my way up there, it really did come down to um, after a while, I was like, man, I I'm making money now. And that's not actually making me happy. And mm -hmm. I realized like I was always thinking like the money's going to make me happy. And then I realized like it, I've got money now and it's not making me happy. So just like overnight, I just quit my job, closed it all down. And then I was like, I'm going to be a full-time wedding photographer. So I came home and I told my, uh, my girlfriend and I was like, Hey, so new career, I'm going to be a wedding photographer. I quit my job. Uh, I've cut all ties. I've burnt the bridges. Like, you know, this is the only way to go. And it was really hard for us. And then what I didn't realize was um, I didn't know how to use my camera. I didn't have a website. I didn't have leads. I didn't know anything to do with wedding photography. Uh, so I was thrown in the deep end, but I had ambitious goals. I was like, I want to be a destination wedding photographer. I want to make six figures in my first year. I want to hold a workshop the next year. Like I wanted to do all these things and I did hit all those, but I had to make some huge sacrifices to make it all happen. And um, it's been for me, like a lot of people, I guess like, I feel like, and I don't know for sure, but sometimes you look out into the out out into the world, and it looks easy for people. And I feel like for a lot of people, it's been easy. Like, oh, I just bought a camera off Craigslist, and and it's all good. Mm. Like, and you know, I just killed it. And and for me, it hasn't been like that. It's been a lot of heartache for a lot of years. Like, it's been a lot of sacrifice. It's been a lot of like promising my wife that we're going to move out of the shithole that we're living in, or we're going to get a new car one day. I promise, or a car. Or I promise like it, things are not going to be like this, right? And so I had this self-belief that I was always going to develop myself and I was going to get myself out of the situation, even though I didn't have the steps. But it has been disheartening looking around and seeing people blow up overnight and people getting big breaks, you know? And for me, it literally has been like building a wall with heavy blocks, just one at a time, one at a time. And mm -hmm. the, like everything, like my success, everything comes down to my resilience and my ability to keep showing up regardless if I succeed or fail and I'll just keep showing up over and over and over and over and over <laughs> yeah that's what I was gonna ask next because I'm like I think that social media has also kind of given us this way of presenting things and also sorry I live in New York so the sirens are so loud that's and cool. they're just they're <laughs> here all the time I wish there's something that's I could so do cool. about them but I cannot um but I think especially with social media, it's so easy to view people on the online sphere and be like, oh, they literally mm. got lucky and they had this overnight success. And like, we see every ounce of struggle in our own businesses and basically none of anyone else's. Like, even for me to totally. find your profile, it would have been so easy to be like, oh my gosh, like to read your bio and be like, this guy has, you know, multiple seven figure businesses and like 
how did he do that? Like that looks so, it looks like it was so easy for him, but that's just because it's like the online presentation. So how did you, I know you said it's like your resiliency, so it's probably a natural part of your personality, but how did you kind of find, do you have like processes or tips for people when they are in the thick of things um, to keep persevering? Cause I think this industry can be really hard for creatives because our hearts are in it mm. so much. And so when things go wrong, it's really hard to be like, let's just keep trudging along, mm-hmm. especially when we are getting to watch other people's successes 24 yeah, seven on the internet. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few things. Um, for me, like when I grew up, um, like my origin story of when I was really young, like we, we were homeless for quite a bit. We were on, we, we, I lived in a government housing, like in Australia, you have government housing and mm-hmm. I don't know what's called in the U S but um, it's like the projects and stuff like that. So it's like very like low, low, low socioeconomic kind of area. Um, and it was a struggle. There's a lot of domestic violence. Like my dad was very violent. There was a lot of stuff that happened. And I always was thinking like, man, this is bad. And I want to get out of here. Like I want to change my life and I want to change. And so for me, I have a very strong why. And I don't want to go back to where I've been before and I want to move forward. Now we all move for a different reason and we are moving. Like there's, there's no arguing with that. Like we all know we're moving. Change is a constant. That's always consistently happening, but we either move away from something or towards something. So we either, our why, if you talk to anyone, they'll say like, I'm moving away from the pain that I experienced in the past. I don't want to be there anymore. Or we're moving towards the pleasure that we see in that future, a better self. And so you can almost categorize everybody in towards like, which one are they going for? Now, for me, I kind of work on both because I, I know my why is so strong. If I get a speed hump, I'm like, this ain't as bad as what I've experienced before. And let me tell you, like, I am not going back there, you know, so mm-hmm. it, it keeps me resilient. Like, you know, if I get some hate online, if I, if I, if someone wants a big refund or, you know, if whatever it is, I'm just like, man, you, you know, fire your best shots. It ain't even going to go through my force field because I've already been somewhere where it's worse and I'm going somewhere. My why is more strong than what your hate is or Mm. what the problem is in front of me or whatever the obstacle could be in front of me. So I could go bankrupt tomorrow. It doesn't matter. I'm still showing up. I'm still going to keep going. I'm still going to build something. And so for me, um, you got to understand, like if, if someone gives up with the first bit of rejection or the first little bit of something uncomfortable or the first failure or the first mistake, it's, it just means your why wasn't strong enough. Your goals are not deep enough. Like you're not committed enough because if those small things, no matter how big they are, if those small things are able to stop you in your tracks, then there's, that's where the problem is. Mm. That's really powerful. I love that. I'm like, I'm already so excited to listen back to this podcast episode when I need it. It's already so good. So you clearly have like such a strong sense of your why. And I think like there are a lot of creatives where that comes really easy to them. Um, and I know even, I don't know if it's the same for you, but my why has changed over the years. Like it's, it's always stayed like similar, but like the reasoning and like the drive behind it has shifted and kind of grown. But for people that are, maybe they're more passionate about the business side of things or the creative side of things and are struggling to find their why, what would you suggest to those people? Uh, There's a lot of different ways to find whys. And I actually hate talking about it because I know so many people talk about (laughs) it on podcasts and stuff and everyone gives their opinions. And I honestly think like um, it's all good to listen to everyone's opinion, but it does come down to you knowing yourself and, and, um, and listening to yourself because you're the one that's going to navigate the ship to where it needs to be. And you just mm-hmm. need to find that North star. So your why is kind of like your North North star, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I won't tell you how to find it, but I'll tell you, it's really, really important. And I'll give you some practical things to think about. Like a lot of the, a lot of the times, like we don't even know what our own why is, but it doesn't have to be earth moving why it doesn't have to be like, Oh, I'm getting away from homelessness. Like what Jai did. It could be something like you wake up next to your partner and you're like, man, I just want to have a better life for that person. Or Mm. I just want, I just want to uh, feel better about myself. Or I imagine what myself is next year. And I now I want to become that person. Like that's a really strong why to me. Yeah. Um, You know, it's all like when we're thinking about change, it's like, well, I know we're going to change anyway. And if I don't take control of the change and the way that I am changing, then it's out of control. So maybe I want to control and become the person that I engineer. So it's like I'm creating my own story instead of being the victim of the story that the world is telling me. So Mm. we have like different things that we can use, but I think it's really important if you keep coming back to a single thought for yourself, 
Um, and it's deep down, like it motivates you and it makes you go like, oh man, no matter what, I'm going to move heaven and earth to make that happen. And here's just a really good example. I was, um, I was mentoring actually just a friend of mine and he was saying he hasn't got a why. And also if anything becomes hard, he just gives up. Mm. And then we actually just got talking like about what his values were. And he was talking about COVID-19. And one of his biggest things was like my wife and my kid, if I had to move into a, a new state or something like that, I'll do it. Like if I had to do whatever, like I'll do it. And I, I was saying to him like, man, that the willingness for you to say you'll do whatever it takes on that one thing, like that is your why, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what it needs to feel like for your business as well. So if you're just like, man, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm moving heaven and earth. I'm going to make this happen. Um, then you're unstoppable because who mm -hmm. could stop that? Yeah, that's really, really powerful. I love that. Um, okay. So we've, we've got this powerful why we've got this powerful foundation. I would love to know how those bleed into like all your different businesses and how you went from a wedding photographer to all of these different businesses. Cause you've also got a wide variety. Like I know the wedding photography summit <laughs> is wedding, uh, specific, but I'm like, you also have the vegan clothing company, right? Like you have a yeah. lot of different things in the works. So how did you kind of go from, you know, building this first photography business to now building several different businesses over like such a wide span of markets? It's a really good question. And I'm only just sort of realizing now what it is, what the answer is. Um, I think a lot of us, we get stuck in a career and we think we're like, you become a specialized person in a certain career. And that's what we've been taught to do. And what I've realized over the years, since my very first business, my first business, I made a lot of mistakes. I lost everything, but I learned a lot. And what I realized is my next business, right? Um, when I was an electrician, I ran it the same as I ran the cafe. And then my next business, when I was a wedding photographer, I ran it the same as my, when I was an electrician. And when I become an educator, I ran it the same as when I was a wedding photographer. And when I have a clothing line, I'm like, I run it the same as my business as a business coach. Um, when I develop property, like I do it the same, right? So it may sound confusing there, but hey, in a cafe, the most important thing is customer service. So it's like client experience. It's really important. It's like marketing, really important, like systems and all these things. And then when you move on, it, you realize it's the same formula and you can tweak and change. But once you get the formula down, you can literally replicate it and move it around to any industry. It doesn't matter the industry mm. because the fundamentals are exactly the same. So if I'm actually narrowing myself down to like, what is my career? I'm a business owner. I understand business. I understand it so much that when people tell me that they find business hard or like business is hard or anything like that, or it's a mystery, like people always think, oh, it's a mystery. Oh, I've got to try and crack it. Like for me, it ain't a mystery at all. And it's a repeatable process. And so it's a repeatable and um, easily replicated process. And so the more that you put the process together, and for me, it's important for me to be a business coach that I have failed before and I have had seven figure businesses and I have done this stuff. So when I am mentoring people, it's like, Hey man, I have actually been there. And these are the things that work because I'm testing and I'm changing and I'm marketing and I'm advertising and I'm, and I'm doing these things on a day to day basis with all these different industries and they're all working, but it's all the same fundamentals. So for me, yeah, I guess like it, it actually literally doesn't matter what the business is. Um, I know there's like different businesses in terms of like what's going to be the most profitable or what's going to be easier opposed to hard, uh, things like that. But I know the principles of business is, is repeatable and, um, and we can easily all adapt it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how did you find those processes or do you feel like they just come natural to you? Like, are you one of those just like very <laughs> natural business people? Like, or is this something that you feel like you discovered and learned over time? Uh, it's definitely learning. Um, I think curiosity and experimenting has been my biggest thing. So I'm not, I'm mm. not scared of failure, like not even a little bit. So it means that like, um, I would do it even if I think it's going to fail. If it's got like a 10% chance to succeed, then I'll still do it. And for me, like that curiosity means like, yeah, I've lost a lot and I continue to, and I've also won big and I continue to. And so with that uh, curiosity means like I'm able to test so many different things. And once I test, I track all the data. So that means like, it's not just guesswork. I'm like, man, I've got mm. the stats here. Like if you want to work this stuff out um, and then you can sort of repeat and repeat. And so 
I listened to someone on a podcast. This is a few years ago. And they're talking about failure and they're talking about like the way that you view life. And they said, they said, if you, if I gave you two dice and then I said, if you roll double six, you're going to get $10,000 from me, but it costs you a hundred dollars to, to roll the dice. Like, would you do it? Like, would you do it? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would as well. I would do, I would I do it for a while. <laughs> totally. And when I run out of money, I would go and get a job and then I'd come back with that money. I'll go drive Uber. I'll come back with that money and I'd roll it again. And I'd go and I'll come back and I'll roll it again. Now, chances are you'll probably roll that many times that you will come under the $10,000. So you're probably going to mm-hmm. make all your money back. Right. So the same thing applies with business or being an entrepreneur. So too many of us, we think we've got one idea and we've got one chance and it's one business. And if it fails, then that's it. And that's simply saying that, Hey, you rolled the dice once. And for some reason, you're not willing to roll it again. But if you keep rolling the dice and it doesn't work, just, you know, go get a job, get some money, roll it again, start another business, roll it again, start another business. If you did that every single year, in fact, there's no chance you couldn't be a millionaire. There just isn't a chance. If you kept showing up like that, I, in my mind, I cannot see how you couldn't succeed because the people that just keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up, the ones that fail, which is, you know, let's be honest, 95% of everyone, it's actually in the stats. It's like 95% mm-hmm. of everyone leave lives a mediocre life and it's because they roll once max twice and then if both those times didn't work then they ain't coming back you know then it's mm-hmm. going let's go plan b i already planned to fail which is plan b go back to my mm-hmm. old job lucky i made that plan because that's what came you know it actually turned into plan a mm. i never i'm like i like that analogy a lot because i'm like yeah that's the perfect analogy that business really is just you trying repeatedly over and over again i think that first one well i think of even just in the wedding industry i think it is like wedding photographers isn't it something like 70 percent quit after like two and a half years or it's something like that it, but it's like the first it two and a half years crazy, and then they're yeah. done yeah which is it's discouraging to see it happen to entrepreneurs that were so passionate in the beginning and i think that's why having your why as the foundation is so powerful because it it's what you keep rolling the dice for is because you refuse to do anything else okay so what has been like your favorite part over how long has this journey been? Like, when did you start being an entrepreneur? How long have you been doing this? Uh, 15 years now, 15 years. Okay. What has been like, is there a standout moment that's kind of been like your favorite part of the last 15 years? I know that's Um, a broad question over a long period of time, but (laughs) there's been so many. And let's be honest, like, um, for me, like I am, I, I am obsessed with learning and self-development. I'm obsessed with it, right? Because I, I didn't really go to school. I didn't get a higher education. Like I didn't fall into that category. I didn't have that chance or that privilege to be able to do those things. So for me, it was like I had to learn to read and write when I was 20, like by myself. I had to learn all the things that I know now um, off my own back. So I've never had any kind of education. So for me, it's learning from reading books, it's learning something new and being mind blown over and over and over. And I read a book at the moment. I read a book probably once a week, um, maybe two books a week. And I have done so for years. And um, the amount of information out there, the amount of good stuff, like I'm constantly mind blown. And I think for me, like pushing myself uh, in my own comfort zone, there's been so many times when I've gone out and something's epically failed and it's made me so happy because I'm like, I'm, I'm in the right place. I'm pushing myself, you know, I rolled that dice mm-hmm. or something's like epically succeeded. And I'm like, Holy shit, like this actually happened. And to get, um, you get addicted to that. And to have that adrenaline to be in front of everybody and um, put yourself out there vulnerably like that and allow people to criticize you and allow people to have their own opinions about you. Like it's, it's really hard and not many people ever want to do it. Allow yourself to stand out or be different um, it's, it is exhilarating. And I think, I think business is so creative, so enjoyable, so fun. Uh, for me, it's, it's like hard to define one exact point, but for me, it's like every point, every week where I just like fall back in love with it and I get excited again, I get that energy again, and then I'm ready to go on to the next thing. Mm, I love that. <laughs> um, okay. So you have a lot of things that you're balancing, several businesses, your concept. I'm like, even a book a week, that feels like a lot on my plate to try to read a book. I'm like, I need to be better about reading a book a week. Um, how do you like take care of yourself to be like a 
good yeah. functioning human with a personal life when running not only just one business, but several. It's really important to look after yourself because you like you're only as good as like your physical and mental health. Like you can't mm-hmm. run better than what you're you know, even like your physical health, right? So a lot of us like will quickly duck into McDonald's or something. But I always say like, if you eat that crap, like you're giving it, like it's, um, you're just putting fast food into your body and you can't expect the output. Like if that's the input, you can't expect the output to be at higher frequency than what that trash is. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think about like, there's no way you'd catch me in a place like that. I just would not do it because mm-hmm. this thing's my temple. And I'm like, man, I'm running at a high performance. I want to be like an F1 machine. They don't put, you know, crappy gas into those things. They put the best quality of everything. So mm-hmm. for me, it does come down to um, looking after myself, which is like in the mornings, I wake up at four to 4.30. I go, um, I go straight to my personal trainer. And so I'll train for about 45 minutes. Then I get in and I'll listen to an audible um, or a podcast for about a half an hour as I go for a walk or about 45 minutes. Then I'll read for another half an hour, 45 minutes. Um, and then I also meditate as well. And so, and that's when I have all my ideas and I do all this before 8am. And the reason being is because now I have four hours before the day starts that I only concentrate on myself and it's Mm. for me only no one else, like my phone's on flight mode. There's no one, no distractions. And so every single day, because I give myself so much self-love, it means by the time I come to something like this, because right now it's 8am for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I've done a lot and I've worked on myself. So I feel good about myself. Like I've exercised, I've had those endorphins. Um, you know, you've got the right hormones going through your body. I've already had a good meal. So, you know, I've got the right proteins and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I have a lot of clarity. I have a lot of energy. And so business becomes really easy and don't get it wrong too. I don't work all the time. Um, I work max, like max six to eight hours per day. And so I'm definitely leaving, you know, I leave the studio at 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. And I never work later because I don't work to live. I, I, like I, I, well, yeah, I don't work to, to live, but I do live to work. I actually do live to work because I actually love doing what I do. And I, I work five days a week, six to, six to eight hours per day. And um, I couldn't be happier with where my life is right now. <laughs> I, okay. I'm obsessed with what you just said, because it's usually the opposite, right? People are like, oh, I, I don't live to work. I, I work to live. Like I work so that I can have a life outside of work. Totally. And so I love talking to people where it's like the opposite for them because they're like, no, I'm obsessed with what I do. Like it adds to the quality of my life. Um, what would you suggest for people on their journey of like going from a work to live mentality to living to work? Cause I think obviously we also like, we do live in a society or like we do have to earn money in order to survive. And I get that. And I know that it's a huge privilege to love what we do so much. Um, but it was a journey to get there. Like even for me, you know, there were times where I, did not love my job as much. And Mm -hmm. I'm so lucky now that I just like adore it and it adds to the quality of my life. Um, but do you, do you have advice for people that are more in the opposite mentality right now? I do. Um, I just wrote down a couple of points so I don't get off track. Um, (laughs) it's insanely important. And it it took me a long time to get rid of the guilt. Like you said, it's like, you're Mm -hmm. obsessed, you know, obsessed of life. And it took a long time to get rid of that guilt because people would say like, oh, you're a workaholic or you shouldn't be doing this or you shouldn't be doing that. And um, people will, will tell you, you know, that, that they live for the weekend um, and they expect you to do the same. But I don't live for the weekend because I live for every day. Like it's a sad life to live for the weekend, in yeah. my opinion. So I have a different opinion to what other people have. Right. Um, but what I want to say, especially to the listeners, is like you don't have to listen to what everyone else says is the norm. Like you can be obsessed with business or with life or with your projects or whatever it is. And like, that is totally fine. And it took me a long time to, um, to be okay with it because so many people will put on guilt, guilt, especially your friends and family and stuff like that. And um, it doesn't feel nice, but when you get into the flow and you're absolutely honest with yourself, with what you want to be obsessed with and how obsessed you want to be, then I think like life becomes so much easier. Now, a couple of tips here. Um, a lot of people say that there's so many stupid things out there that's like, you know, on Instagram or stuff like that. And a lot of people say stuff with business, which just makes you hate business. It's like, don't do business with friends or don't hire friends, like things like this. And to me, I'm like, man, like why have a shit life at business time for the majority of your week 
and then only live for weekends. So like, I think like, yeah, do business with friends, like only do business with friends and mm-hmm. then, yeah, hire friends, only hire friends, have friends around with you um, on a day-to-day basis when you're doing business. Like why not do that? Right. I believe in that way, like life is really fun because you're not just waiting for the weekend to see everyone. Hey, you see everyone all the time. So I think that's really good. The next thing is um, like getting into the flow. And so one important thing for me was getting into like a routine where I was doing that, where I do that stuff every single day. So that's my flow, but there's a few other things in my flow. So in my work day life, I would be honest with myself and I'd think about what doesn't bring me any happiness. So last year, like um, doing one-on-one coaching didn't bring me any happiness. So even though it brought me in a lot of money, I was like, well, money is not the happiness. It's, you know, how do I feel on a day to day? So I cut that off and then I was just doing other things or whatever it is. I'm not scared of like cutting something off just because it makes money. Because if I'm not in the flow of every day and I'm feeling like I want to wake up with lots of energy because I'm excited for the day, then I'll make sure I outsource, delegate, uh, or just remove completely out of my life, no matter how important it's supposed to be for your business. So I think that's really important because as you start curating your business life, to, to only doing the things that is your strength and only doing the things that you love to do. For instance, me waking up today and the first thing I've got to do is talk to you on a podcast. Like, I love doing this. So what do I do? I wake up, like I barely need an alarm. And I'm just like, man, this is an amazing day. After this, I get to do something else and I get to do something else. Every project I'm doing is because I curated it into my life and I love doing it. So I think like, just look inwards and just say, hey, if, if you're living for the weekend, there's a problem for uh, you know during the week in your business and where can you get rid of those problems how can you outsource how could you bring in some more money so you could maybe insource or like you know delegate or just cut it out completely and just concentrate on one thing or two things that make you really happy and then the last thing is um make sure business is not business and make sure it's enjoyable like you need to enjoy yourself you need to have fun and it's an understated thing that no one talks about because everyone thinks like, Oh, business is so serious. And these are the things that we need to do. But honestly, if I talk to all my students that are getting huge success at the moment, um, the thing that goes through all of them is they all go like, Jai, you not only taught me business, you taught me that it was enjoyable and creative. And now I love it because before I was a creative and I just hated it, but no one taught me in a creative way or enjoyable way or that I should be enjoying or I should be confident and I should be celebrating my own wins and I should be asking for help and I, you know, all these things. And so I should be reaching out and making more friends and more people in the community and changing it from competition to, um, to friends, basically. Um, life becomes enjoyable. So if you go to work every single day and it's really enjoyable, you're going to live to work because you're like, man, I can't wait to get back there where all my friends are, where all the joy is, where all the things I get to do every single day that I love doing, I want to get back there. I love that. And I think that's one of those weird things where like we start these creative jobs because we want to have more fun and we want to enjoy our lives. And then we almost feel guilty for like loving it too much and for like wanting to work all the time. And I, I know I've talked to people where they're like, well, I feel like I should be taking more time off. Um, and like not working as much, but I just want to work all the time. And I'm like, well, that's the dream is that you do want to work like that. You love your job so much that it's so enjoyable, like working too much and not taking time off is an issue when you're not enjoying it or when you're never having a personal life. But like, if the issue is just that, like you love working, like, and I, I always say like to also like, listen to your body. Like I go through phases. I had like a three month period where I worked like a couple hours a week and I just traveled and I spent time with my friends and my family. And it was so nice. And like, now I'm in a zone where I'm working like eight to 10 hours a day, but I'm like loving it. And it's so Mm. much fun. And so just going with like the ebbs and flow, I think of your energy is also really powerful. So I love all of that. That's so helpful. Well, even like you saying, when someone says like, Oh, I know I should take some time off. Like what they're saying is I feel guilty because someone else has told me what the normal is Mm -hmm. and I'm not normal. And I've got to say, you got to strive to be not normal. Like in any kind of business, it's not about being normal, fitting in. It's about being remarkable, standing out and, and being obsessed. So it's our metric is completely wrong. Also just one more thing. We, start off a businesses, let's say I'm a photographer and I'm like, I just want to shoot weddings all over the world. I don't care about anything else. It would be amazing if I could do that full time. And for some reason we get this thought in our head of like, Oh, I've got to be businessy though. So what I'm mm. going to do is make sure everyone's paying me what I'm worth. And all of a sudden our metric is like how much money are we getting paid, but we don't know business. 
but now we're going after a metric that we is out of our control. So we won't do these fun jobs for free or for like less money because we're trying to get what we're worth, but we're not even mm-hmm. worth anything unless we've created something before and, or unless we're in demand. And so then business becomes really hard because you're trying to market something that people don't even want. And it's like, what happens? Like, why, why don't I just go out there and shoot for free? Like, why won't I do that? Why do I have mm-hmm. to fit in with everybody else and, uh, and charge what I'm worth? It doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I agree. I think it's, you can't just like suck the joy out of things or lose opportunities for joy just for the sake of money. Like I think yeah. time and joy is just as powerful of a tool as money is. And so even like, for example, I'm doing like all these free trainings right now and I'm having so much fun doing them that I'm like, yeah. so I, it's just be happy. Yeah. Like I'm just yeah. like, it's just fun. Like, and it's fine that I'm not earning money off of it because it's so much fun. Um, and so I think that's really powerful. And also I always tell like my coaching students, I'm like, there's something really powerful about working for free because you get to just like, there's extra no rules. Like you get to just have fun, like, and create whatever you want. And like free shoots are sometimes some of my favorite shoots because they're just fun and creative and everyone gets to do their own thing, which is there's something really powerful and creative about that. Look, I've got to say, if you're not willing to do it for free, you're probably doing the wrong thing. Mm, like, like, honestly, I like, like it, it, it comes down to that. Like, for me, like, if I'm not willing to sit here on a podcast for free mm-hmm. and I want to be paid, I should be doing something else. Like, if I'm not willing, mm-hmm. like, right now, like, I will show up at the summit and it will cost me money to run that thing. I'll show up and I'll mentor people for free. I'll coach and I'll do all these things. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm losing money. But I'm like, but I'm still showing up and I'm still going to do it because the money wasn't the metric. And I can mm-hmm. always make something work, right? And if you show up like that, guess what happens? People will pay you and they'll pay you more than what you're worth because mm-hmm. your value expands. Everyone's attracted to someone that has passion, so much passion that they would show up and they'll do it for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always say that your ideal client is a mirror of you. So it's like, if you're passionate enough to do something for free, they'll match that passion. And like you said, they'll pay for it because they they can Hell feel yeah how passionate you are about what you do, which is so fun and cool. It is cool. It's such a fun way of doing business, I think. It really is. Business should be fun. That's like my favorite thing. So I'm very excited. I'm like, this was why I was so excited to talk to you because I was like, I love the way that you run things. So talk to us about like, what's next? Like, what are you doing (laughs) next? What's like on the horizon? What are you hoping for? Uh, So many things, like so, so many big projects in uh in the works and like for me like I've, I've been on a mission to sort of um to change and innovate the educational space because I don't know how long you've been a business coach for but like when I started in 2015 there was none mm-hmm. and um the educational space was very dry and it was only one way and even now like now that I innovate things and I put on big events like say the wedding photography summit or the way I do things is different to what's in my industry um I still get a lot of hate for it because people are like, oh man, people don't like change. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting that it's like, um, obviously the dinosaurs are going to fall, fall away and it's, there's always a new wave of people. Um, but you need someone that like sort of innovates things. And for me, it's like really thinking ahead of like, I'm always like four moves ahead. So I know when people sort of catch up what the trend is, I'm like, oh, so we could steer it this way and things could happen this way. And I think for me, that's really, really fun. Um, something else I'm working on right now, which is just, super random and to the side but um i just bought like two two properties a couple of months ago and how exciting for the last yeah for the last 15 years um i have wanted to sort of start a developing company so i started last year and we just got a project under the way under the way now um and i'm just getting all the plans through but we're going to build 10 houses on on this little little um piece of land i guess and for me it's like um i've always wanted to build like affordable housing that's um that's like really green as well and um even like give people opportunity to invest in housing without getting a mortgage so Mm. it's like it's like a new sort of like investment like a way that um millennials especially and uh, everyone else can sort of invest without the huge overhead of a of a loan so um just thinking of like bigger things in the future that are bigger than myself and and what i can do there but um that's just for me and that's just like that's incredible dreaming massive sort of thing yeah that's very exciting love that we love a good new year's goal i don't like and those are two very big 
big things. <laughs> like those yeah. aren't just casual little resolutions. <laughs> That's very exciting. Well, if you know me, like I'm always doing big, like things are always big. And I, mm -hmm. and I love to do things where it's like, you know, like um, I've definitely, I've held the biggest workshops in the world for like, um, for like coaches that is not like Tony Robbins or anything. So I've been able mm -hmm. to have, you know, 10,000 people come to something or sign up to something. And um, my course right now is probably the biggest in the wedding photography space for business, you know, and we got over a thousand people in there and, um, it's, you know, for a higher ticket item, it's, it's like a, that's a hard thing to do for anyone. Mm -hmm. And so like, I've always thought bigger and I'm still thinking bigger and bigger to, to what I'm doing now. I'm like, I'm, I'm playing too small. I could do so much bigger, so much more. And even this morning I, um, I wrote down in my notes, like I, I was actually just like sitting on the hill, watching the sunrise after I went and exercised. And um, like, I literally wrote down, like, I don't know if you can see this, but yeah, it's like, how can I create something bigger than myself? You know? Mm. So it's like me asking myself those questions. And then I always write down these questions and I'm like, how can I create something bigger than myself? Like, why am I playing so small? Because mm. every year, my biggest regret always is not how many times I failed or how many mistakes I made. It's always like, why did I play so small? I always thought that was a big goal, but why did I set such small goals? Doesn't mm. make sense. They need to be unrealistic. And what my unrealistic is, it's not someone else's unrealistic. So I just realized that every single year I fall short and feel disappointed that I didn't set a bigger goal. That's what, because I always hit my goals, you know, so mm -hmm. they need to be way bigger. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, and I think that's powerful to say that, like, you don't regret any of the failures. You don't regret any of the things that didn't work out. It's just that you didn't do more or that you didn't try something exactly. different or that you didn't push yourself. And that's actually something I'm like, it either was a podcast episode that just came out or is about to come out. But we were talking about how like no one on their deathbed is going to be like, wow, I wish I made more money. Like that's never going to be totally. <laughs> what comes out of their mouth. Like, and if it was, that's horrifying, but like, you're going to want to have experienced more things and pushed yourself more and spent more time yeah. with your loved ones and experienced more joy. And so I think that's really, really powerful to put out there that like, you don't really often regret things that don't work out, but you regret not pushing yourself more. I think a lot of people were trying to go after happiness too much. And it's such a crappy measurement because happiness right it's like it's like i only want to be happy because i looked on instagram and everyone's only happy and if you've got a business mm. you only can be happy but it's not about being happy it's it's really about experiencing everything like the mm. whole spectrum like get heartbroken get sad fail like you know give up re-pick it up do it again try again succeed win because if you don't do all those things if you don't go through the lows the highs don't mm. feel as good and you don't mm -hmm. feel as high so what's the point if you're only high and you're only happy and you're only smiling all the time. So for me, it's like, I don't like, if I think back, like the story that I told, told you straight away, it's like, Oh, I failed my first business. Why did I think about that first before anything else? Cause it's so memorable taught me so much. And now it's one of my best memories because it helped me project myself forward. So mm -hmm. if I actually think back at every single memorable thing, and when you actually asked me that I was actually only thinking about every time I failed and made a mistake and I got a smile on my face. Cause I'm like, yeah, Jai, like you did that. You know, you, you yeah. had the courage to, to fail in front of everyone. That's, that's big. That's fun. Yeah. That's and enjoyable. You came back from that. Yeah. Like that's something. Yeah, and then that... you come back up, you know, like, yeah. Whoa, I just learned something like, check this out guys. Yeah, no, that's so powerful. And I powerful. And I think like, it's there, it's just like a different brand of happiness to like, accomplish something that had previously knocked you down. I think like, yeah. like you said, like if you just have an upward climb the entire time, you don't appreciate it as much. Whereas if you can just hit rock bottom, um, like I think of, um, I'm divorced and that's one of the big stories I tell on the podcast is after my divorce, the month that my husband left was the like biggest month I've ever had in my business. Even still, I launched like my most successful course that month. Um, and it had to stay in my business account and my business or my personal bank account got wiped during my divorce. I remember I had a hundred dollars after my divorce and wow. had that launch. Like if that launch took place right now, it would still be so cool. Like I would be so grateful for that launch and everything. Um, cause it was phenomenal, but like, it wouldn't hit as different right now. Whereas no, when, like it, was when it hit, it then, actually was life changing. Yeah. It literally changed my entire life because I had a yeah. hundred dollars after 
my divorce had gone through. Like everything and got taken from me. how sweet does that feel? Yeah. And like, now I get to look back on it and I'm like, that is one of the most, that's honestly, I think maybe one of my favorite, I'm like, I have like goosebumps thinking about it. It's like one of my favorite things that's wow. ever happened to me in my career. And it wouldn't have been as powerful if I wasn't at the lowest point I've ever been at in my life. Like that was my rock bottom. And so now I can look yeah. back on it with so much appreciation. Hell yeah. And like, here's another example. I have a lot of guilt around spending money. Like I really do. And I, and I hate mm -hmm. spending money on myself. Like, you know, I just, everything is just never about me. Right. But um, I invest all this money and stuff. And we have, like when I sold my car back in 2013 to start my business, my wedding photography business, like I walk to the shops and I carry bags back with all, all their shopping and we're always catching Ubers and like everything's like sort of hard and every job I've got to hire a car and I've got to do all this kind of stuff. So this has been like the last eight or nine years. And so I've had so much struggle with all this. And then just on the weekend, we went out and we like chose and bought a new car and we bought a Range Rover. Mm. And I was like, holy shit. But for anyone else, it's like, oh yeah, that's like cool. It's like a luxury car. But I'm like, no, you don't get it. This is like, whoa, you know, like mm -hmm. we remember like, you know, the cars breaking. I remember my car breaking down and running out of petrol and, you know, like driving absolute shit boxes. And for me, like that low has made this high so enjoyable. So it's mm -hmm. not just enjoying the absolute low because that's life changing, but it's also on the opposite side, like enjoying the absolute high because you're like, oh mm -hmm. my God, like mm -hmm. this is crazy. Does that make yeah. sense? Yes. The juxtaposition of it is so incredible and makes the high so much higher just because you have experienced something so polar opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're the things that we've got to, um, we've got to remind ourselves every day that you need to wake up. You've got to have some gratitude. Mm -hmm. And, um, and remember that we actually write our own stories and we get to choose if we want to be stressed or if we want to be excited, if we want to have drama or if we want to have love, like we get to choose these things. And, um, the way that we sort of like navigate and look at the world, like it's all in our control. So, you know, we make all these choices and I think it's to live like that, like to live like a, like a kid, you know, every day. I think that's amazing. That well, I love energy, that. You know? Yeah. I'm like the kid thing too is so fun to like approach the world with the curiosity and just like excitement of a child is so fun. Cause there really is just like limitless yeah. possibilities for us now, just like there were when they, we were kids, but we kind of lose sight of that as we get older. <laughs> well, like if you look at a kid, right? Like when we talk about being obsessed and um, some people say it's a bad thing and you certainly say, say it to kids that it's a bad thing. Cause mm -hmm. if a kid's there and they're like, playing Lego for too long, too many hours. Like, man, that kid's obsessed. They wake up, first thing they do in the morning, they go and get their Lego blocks. I remember when I was a kid, I would sleep with my Lego. That's uncomfortable, mm. but I was obsessed with it, right? And then when you get older, you get taught to stop being obsessed, stop having that much fun. It's not like that. Get to the real world. Like, I don't know if you had that, but everyone told me, get mm -hmm. to the real world, Jai. When you grow up, there's going to be bills. When you grow up, there's responsibility. And I'm like, mm -hmm. man, I'm 35 now. I'm still waiting to grow up. Like... <laughs> You know, I'm still that same kid that, you know, I'm just like, I'm going to bed with whatever it is. And, and you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I just love living like that. Yeah, I love that. I think that's such a fun mentality to like have and to, I almost like <laughs> am picturing myself like going to bed with my business, like I would with my toys as totally. a kid, because it like is so happy and fun. And I just wander around all yeah. the time. Yeah, literally I'm like, this is my favorite thing. <laughs> Listen to this, who, what adult, like who is concentrating on bills all day long? Like what a horrible yeah. life that you live. A horrible like life. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just talking to my friend the other day, actually, I was like, there's just more than that. Like, I don't want my whole life to be consumed with what bill needs to be paid next or like how things need to operate on a monetary front. Like, I just want it to be fun and I want to enjoy it. And I want to feel like, um, another conversation I was having with a friend is I was like, I want to like, if I died right now, as morbid as that is, like I, if I was on my deathbed, I would feel like I did everything I could to live a good life. Like I'd feel good about it. That. And I want my entire life to feel that way. I don't want to be the person on their deathbed that has a ton of regrets. And so I want like, if at any point it's my time, I want to feel like I could say like, I did everything I wanted to do and I had so much fun doing it and I don't really have any regrets. I love that. Could I end just with one cool little yes. analogy story? Um, we, oh, I was talking to a friend the other day and um, I asked him, what does it mean uh, if you got bills piling up on your bench? And he said, well, and this guy, like, he's not, he doesn't have much success and he's like very much a pessimist. And he's like, well, I do get bills piling up on my bench all the time. Like it sucks. I get so many bills. 
And I'm like, well, the interesting thing is if I said that to someone else, maybe an optimist or someone that's like in the flow of making money, they see that as dollar bills piling up and they don't even see the other bills. And so we're conditioned uh, and our mindset changes because if you said that to me and said, hey, Jai, I've got bills piling up, I'll be like, yeah, high five. Like you got money coming in. That's awesome. But someone else will go like, oh, I got bills. It's, it's a weight on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And look how different. It's com- almost the complete opposite. But the way that we think about even just such a simple thing, we're all going to interpret it totally different. So, so many of us, we do go through life and we're looking at bills all the time, but other people are going through life and they're also looking at bills. Mm, I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, that's a perfect ending note. Um, one more thing, because this is how we yeah. end every interview on the podcast is by asking what the best piece of advice is that you've ever been given. Uh, wow. Um, best piece of advice. There's a few. Um, one, one piece of advice that I got given from a mentor of mine in my twenties was, um, it was really interesting. I asked him, I asked him, how could I start this business that I wanted to do, like this thing I wanted to do? And he asked me, what advice do you want? And I was like, oh, I don't know. What do you mean? And he said, well, there's different advice depending on where you are and what your mindset has, because I can tell you every single different way, but it's up to you on what you want to hear. And I said, well, give me something advanced then. And he said, well, he's like, you're obsessed over like doing your apprenticeship to start your business. But if you really want a shortcut you don't need to do an apprenticeship you don't need to be an electrician he's like if you want you can just start the business you can hire an electrician use their license and you can make all the money same as if you wanted to be a doctor you don't have to be a doctor if you don't want to you can still start a, you know a doctor's firm you can hire doctors you can make all the money from the doctors you can make more money than the doctors by employing the doctors and using their licenses mm. and to me like that blew my mind because i was like oh my god I always thought there was only one way and it made me realize there's always a different way depending on where I'm ready at with my mindset. Mm -hmm. So that piece of advice like changed everything for me because all of a sudden I was, everything I look at, I always look at it with like, uh, is this through my mindset right now and what my limiting beliefs are or is there another way? And I always look for that other way. Interesting. Ooh, I really like that advice. I'm like, I'm going to have to take a step back and see what I'm doing that like I could be going one step above (laughs) and like doing something differently. I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is so incredible to hear from you, learn from you. Like all of these little nuggets of wisdom were incredible. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for all the listeners to, um, for listening for the last hour. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. No, I'm like, this was lovely. And I know it's the start of your day. So I'm like, enjoy the rest of your day. Cause it's, I'm sure like eight or nine there now, which is wild to me. So thank you so much for starting off your morning with us. This is incredible. I appreciate you. Perfect. Okay. And we'll link all of your information in the show notes for everyone. And thanks so much for listening. Bye.